the theme that I'd like us to, to begin with today is based on a, the idea of Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan wrote his famous book, The Pilgrim's Progress, back in 1678, and it's been translated into more than 200 languages, and it's never been out of print. He knew what it was to suffer hardship for the gospel. He actually wrote the, the, the start of this book while he was imprisoned as a Baptist pastor for simply holding a Sunday service back in the days when it was only legal to hold Church of England services. Anybody else was, any other Christian denomination was outlawed. The full or the long title to his book was The Pilgrim's Progress from This World to That Which Is to Come. And his book, in the form of a dream, it's an allegory where uh, a person called Christian leaves his home in this world and travels through various situations to eventually arrive at with God in heaven. He starts off with a great burden on his back and he leaves that at the foot of the cross. That burden was his sin and it was unbearable. It was too much for him to carry. And he leaves it at the foot of the cross and he's then able to walk through various circumstances, through resisting temptation, through spiritual depression, doubts and fears and more. And through all of this, he matures as he is sanctified on his way to going to be with the Lord. Pilgrim's Progress has the the idea that we are simply pilgrims and strangers in this world. This is not our home. Our home is with God. And as we journey in our Christian walk, we walk with him as we are walking to him. We walk with the Lord as we are walking to be with the Lord. This theme is is one that every Christian will be able to relate to. Our journey of sanctification, once we've been justified by faith, once we've come to the Lord by faith alone, our journey of growing in holiness is one which, well, we all need to grow in holiness. It's one which we all experience. So today I'd like us to begin a series where we consider ourselves as pilgrims through this world. And I'd like us to consider topics on a variety of, a variety of themes which will be relevant to to our sanctification, our journey with the Lord. One of the great ways to to go through the Bible, to to preach through the Bible, to, to learn from the Bible, is to go through a Bible book from start to finish. A couple of years ago we did Matthew. It took us a wee while to go through it all. We've done Revelation. We've just finished that. But there's times when it's good to, to look at a, a topic and not just see what Matthew says about it or what we read in Revelation on it, but to see what the whole of the Bible says on a particular topic. So we'll be doing that starting today. Leslie will preach to us on three Sundays before Christmas, um, but we'll pick up after Christmas on that again. However, I'm not going to use the, 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 the title Pilgrim's Progress, 
because that's a little bit old-fashioned. I'm going to use the title Following Jesus. It really means the same thing. In the course of our Christian lives as followers of Jesus, there's one step that we all have to take, which is to hear the gospel. We can't follow Jesus until we have come to Jesus. And so the first step in following Jesus is to hear the call to follow him, to hear the call to come to him. And so this morning's title is Come to Jesus, Follow Him. In Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, we have some lovely words, some simple words, words of reassurance. Then Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Those are the first few words of what he says. One of the first things that we note is that that call was given not just to those who were around the Sea of Galilee near Capernaum where Jesus was when he spoke those words. These words apply to each one of us. To everyone who is weary, to everyone who is carrying a heavy burden, Jesus offers this rest to each one of us. We can note as well that he's not coming and saying to us, you should have done this and you should have done better. Jesus comes to us now with grace. There's a day coming when he will come again to judge the, the world. And then he will come in justice. But he knows that we can't do all that we meant or were meant to do. He knows that we have failed. And so he has come in mercy and grace. He has come that we might be forgiven. He has come and died on the cross. He's atoned for our sin. So that we can actually come and follow him. So that we don't have to face condemnation on the cross. He comes now to us with grace and mercy. And he calls us to come to him. He offers us rest. But the rest he offers isn't simply from physical hard work. It's not from doing a hard week's work and then coming home to the week, at the weekend and just having a rest. It's not that kind of rest. He's offering us rest for our souls. Of course, we know we have the, the Lord's Day, one day in seven, a day of rest. God has built that into the, the fabric of how we ought to live. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about rest for our souls. First, he calls those who are weary. The sense is, is of those who are troubled. And I think that covers everyone. People are troubled with different things, whether it's the stress of COVID or the stress of family relationships, the stress of concerns about how are the children going to grow up in this world? How, how am I going to face 
this week or next month? Where is the food going to come from? Where is our income going to come from? Are we going to have enough in the long term? How can I cope with all the things I've got to do today? My to-do list is bigger than my time allows. How can I cope with the stresses of life, the disappointments of life? How can I cope with other people? For some people, life has ground them down to the point where they simply can't go on one day after the next. They struggle, they're weary. Many people have dreams when they're young, but those dreams often get shattered as life wears them down. I don't know about you, but one of my favourite pieces of music is Les Miserables. It's a story of life. It's a story of grace over justice. The young woman, Fontaine, played by Anne Hathaway in the recent film 10 years ago, ends up having a dream of what life could be, but then her dreams are shattered. Let me just read some of the words to the song she sings. I dreamed a dream in times gone by, when hope was high and life worth living. I dreamed that love would never die. I dreamed that God would be forgiving. Then I was young and unafraid, and dreams were made and used and wasted. There was no ransom to be paid, no song unsung, no wine untasted. But the tigers come at night with their voices soft as thunder as they tear your hope apart, as they turn your dream to shame. And she finishes. But there are dreams that cannot be, and there are storms we cannot weather. I had a dream my life would be, so different from this hell I'm living, so different now from what it seemed. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. Sadly for too many people, that is their experience of life. And they don't want to go on. Some people are tempted to commit suicide. Some people are tempted just to give up hoping about anything. Just to go day after day, just through a drudgery. Thoreau said that the the masses of men live lives of quiet desperation that's who Jesus is talking to whether it's we only experience that a little or whether we feel as though the the water has gone over our heads if we are weary Jesus calls us to come to him and he will give us rest in the film Les Miserables Fontaine ends up being rescued by the hero of the story Jean Valjean and he brings her to he brings grace and mercy to her it's it's a picture of the gospel that he brings to her and she goes to be with the lord and he goes to be with the lord as well and he leads others to know that grace that comes from god and jesus calls us like the thief on the cross who had a life a troubled life And he was weary. And life had almost ground him down right to that very last moment. 
And then he called out to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Even on our deathbed, we can come to him and he can give us rest. And secondly, he calls us, he calls everyone who carries a heavy burden to turn to him. Being weary and carrying a heavy burden are not the same thing here. You can be weary from having a heavy burden, but the heavy burden that Jesus seems to be talking about here is the burden of sin through not being able to to be good enough before him, not being able to keep the law, not being able to do all that religion says you must do. The Ten Commandments, God's law, God's requirements, the law written on our hearts and minds tells us how we ought to live. And each one of us has failed to do what we ought to. We find that sin just piles up and piles up year after year. Not only can we not cope with the sins of the past, the sins of the present add to them and our burden gets even heavier. We maybe try and turn over a new leaf and try and start to do what is right before God. We maybe go to church, try and live a, a godly life, but we, the more we try and do it, the more we realize we can't. We cannot do it in our own strength. It's a burden too great for us to bear. And yet, even though we don't love God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves as we ought to, Jesus calls us to leave that burden with him, that, that he will take it off us, that he will give us rest for our souls. We can never get to heaven by being good enough. It's not by works, but by grace that we are saved. The world calls us to, to follow different paths, Jesus calls us to follow him. And we follow different paths naturally ourselves. We're attracted to all kinds of things. Some people say that different religions are different ways of trying to get to God. Well, there's certainly different ways of being religious. But they're all different ways of going away from God. It's ways of being religious without God. It's not ways of trying to seek him. No one really seeks him unless the Holy Spirit is working in their heart. The world calls us to trust in psychics, to try this religion, to try this Eastern philosophy, this practice or that, to worship angels, to, to believe there is no God that'll make us feel better that'll relieve the burden of sin but it doesn't to trust in materialism retail therapy that always feels good when you shop for a while but it never satisfies many other things and then people try religion I'll go to church I'll be good and that doesn't work either because we, the more we look at God's word, the how we ought to live, the more conscious we become that we're not living as we ought to. All these things that promise fulfillment and peace and rest, they don't deliver. 
Instead, Jesus not only promises, but he gives us rest for our souls. The moment we trust in him, we have rest for our souls. We no longer have to work hard to try and do the impossible, to be a good enough person to get into heaven. We still have to keep God's law, but the work is easy. The burden is light. Once we place our faith in Jesus, we're freed from the burden of trying to deserve eternal life. Instead, we receive it as a gift. Paul's words at the end of Romans chapter 6 have often been used to, to show that the contrast between living and what sin does to us, the result is death. But God gives us the gift of being right with him through faith. That leads to eternal life, not only to come, but that gives us eternal life even in our hearts here and now. Hebrews 3 describes eternal rest that we can look forward to. Uh, Hebrews 11 describes those who have gone before us. John tells us that whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Paul tells us in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We have peace with God. That is such a relief. For those who are concerned with sin, who are trying to release the burden of their sin through one way or another, or trying to be better, the burden just gets bigger and bigger. But once we come to God through faith in Christ the burden of our sin is atoned for on the cross it is no longer a burden on us it, it, so many people have described it's like a weight being lifted off their shoulders literally and once we come to faith in Christ we know that he will guard us he will help us we have a God who is no longer our judge we are no longer under the wrath of God facing condemnation. We are now under the, the grace of God. And we can come to him with all our concerns. Paul says to the, the Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is true rest for our souls. Not only rest for our eternity, but rest for our hearts and minds here and now as well. Too often when we have already come to Christ, when we have begun following him, we end up we end up struggling, we end up failing, we end up walking away from him, we end up backsliding. But he says to us, he calls us, he says in Revelation 3.20, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus 
is the one who comes to us to try and restore our relationship again. He's the one who is knocking. He's the one who's welcoming us to come to him. Whether we come to him for the first time or whether we come to him again, let's come to him and let's follow him. But he doesn't just take away the burden of trying to do what is right and leave us with nothing. He gives us an easy burden of obedience. There's a misunderstanding in these words at the end of Matthew 11 that when Jesus takes off the burden off of our shoulders, we feel free, we've got nothing, we're we're not under loss. People say we're under grace. We don't have to we don't have to worry about the law. We don't have to worry about obeying God anymore. We're under grace. Well, that's a misunderstanding. Being under law means that our relationship with God is defined by how we either obey or disobey his law. But being under grace is that our relationship is now defined by grace. But it doesn't mean we are free to do what we like, to sin. Being, relating to God by grace means that we are enabled to keep the law in the power of the Spirit. Paul describes in Romans 8 verse 4 that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. When we are trying to fulfill the law in the flesh, in our old nature, it's a burden to us. We can't do it. But we can keep the righteous requirements of the law of Moses, the the essence of holiness which was contained in that. We can keep the requirements of the law of God written in our hearts by the power of the Spirit. As Paul says, we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We serve God now empowered with Christ living within us, not simply legalistically trying to tick the boxes and and failing. Following Jesus includes obeying God like Jesus did. After all, not Obeying God, not walking according to his law, is actually sin. So we're not called to be saved to sin. We're called to be saved to obey him. But the burden is light. With the power of the Spirit, we find that that we can do it. I don't know if you've ever tried to drive a car. In the past, cars didn't have power steering. But now cars have power steering, a lot of them. And when, you're, when the engine's on and you're steering away, everything's fine. But if the engine dies and you're trying to turn the steering wheel, oh, it's, it's really difficult. You can't drive a modern car without the power of the engine giving you the strength to do so. We can't live the Christian life without the power of the Spirit giving us the strength to do so. But here in these verses, we have something really special as well. 
not only do we have a call to come and to find rest for our souls, eternal rest as well as peace of mind and rest here and now, we also hear that Jesus describes himself as someone who is gentle and lowly. I would encourage you to read a book if you can get hold of it. We've got a copy in our library, Gentle and Lowly by Dan Ortland. The subtitle is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. In it, he outlines what some of the Puritans, especially Thomas Goodwin, how they expanded upon, or how Goodwin especially expands upon Matthew 11, verses 20, verse 29. In that verse, Jesus does something very unique. He not only tells us how to find rest, he describes himself as the one who we, we read. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus describes himself here in this verse. We're all familiar with Jesus being described as the prophet, the priest, the king of kings, and the lord of lords. But these are roles that Jesus has. These are things that Jesus does. In this verse, (coughs) Jesus tells us, what he is like. He opens his heart to us and he tells us that he is gentle and lowly in heart. There's not many Bible verses where we read how Jesus describes himself like this. We read about what he has done for us. He went to the cross. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. But that's what he does. That's a role he fulfills. Here, this is describing himself. He is lowly. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords is lowly. He doesn't parade his his glory. He doesn't look down on us like pompous politicians, business leaders, world leaders sometimes tend to do. I'm not saying they're all like that. He doesn't boss people around even though he has the right to do so. Instead, he is lowly. He comes down to our level. He has come into our world. He has taken on our humanity. He humbled himself. And he calls us, he gently calls us to follow him. And he showers blessings upon us, even when we don't deserve it. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we follow him, the closer we get to him, the more we understand how gentle and humble and lowly he is. We have to confess that we've not drawn close enough to Jesus for much of his gentleness and lowliness to rub off on us. We need to draw even closer to him. We need to ask his forgiveness for following him at a distance. But the closer we get to him, the more we they find that his character becomes our character. Sometimes when you look at mature Christians, usually very elderly Christians, you see that they are gentle and lowly. And yet, 
even though we might think that's just their character, that's just the way they are. They happen to be just naturally gentle and lowly. If you get to know them, that's often not the case. They've often been anything but that. But the closer they've walked with Jesus, the more they have found that that's who they become. And we can be that too. We ought to be that too. Let's praise God for, if we've already come to Jesus, but let's not stop there. Let's draw even closer to him. If we haven't turned to Jesus yet, there should be nothing stopping us. It's only a love of sin, a want to reject God that keeps us away from him, or maybe fear of God. But we oughtn't to have fear. Jesus has atoned for our sins. What else could we fear? If we trust him, if we depend upon him for our salvation, if we come to him by faith, we are forgiven, we are accepted. There's no reason to not draw close to God. Jeremiah said long ago, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. In the Old Testament, we often hear, especially in Proverbs, that there's the call to seek wisdom and your life will be blessed. That was essentially a call to draw close to God, to follow him, to walk in the ways of what is true and right. And that was undergirded by coming to God through forgiveness, trusting in God's sacrifice for sin, which was symbolized by the sacrifices in the temple. Now we see in Matthew 11 that this way of walking with him and finding rest for our souls is through the person of Jesus. This is fulfilled as Jesus says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We ought to come to him and come closer to him by God's grace by the forgiveness that's there in the cross, by the love of God that is there in Christ Jesus. He is humble. He is gentle. He is lowly in heart. There's no reason for us not to draw close to him, except for sin in our lives or fear of of God because we don't properly understand him. But now he tells us to come to him. He, he encourages us. He calls us. He teaches us that this is what he is like. So come to him if you've never come to him before. Draw close to him if you've been far from him. And draw even closer as you journey towards your eternal home. Let's draw close to him with renewed thanks. And let's become like him. Let's learn from him becoming gentle and lowly ourselves as we walk close by Jesus. Let's pray.
Lord, we do thank you for your love for us, for your grace and mercy to us. We thank you that you humbled yourself. You put aside for a while the glories of heaven and you came and and walked in our shoes. You went to the cross. You did not sin, yet you suffered sin. Lord, you suffered as a sin offering. You took our sin upon you. And yet, Lord, you conquered sin. You conquered death. And we thank you that you've risen again. Lord, we praise and thank you for all that you have done for us. You're gentle, you're lowly. You call us to come to you. Lord, forgive us for when we have been at a distance. Lord, help us now to come to draw close to you and to remain close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.